0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Sovereign Grace Church Toronto. For more information, visit sovgraceto.org. So, for New Year's, uh, Joanne and I went to um, a friend's house and we had good food, um, ate too much, um, and then afterwards we had like great conversation. And then afterwards, um, as the new year was about to come in, as it was about eleven thirty, we went outside and had a big bonfire. So we sat out there. It was very cold, um, but we kept uh, logs kept being added to the fire. We had to wait a while before the fire became nice and warm. But even as we talked and enjoyed each other's company and enjoyed the heat, the fire had to keep being tended to to serve its purpose. So for us, the fire of Christian love, if you will, needs to also be tended. And grown, the situation that we face is this: the world wants to make us forget our first love, like the church of Ephesus. There's always a struggle for us between being the lovers of God and lovers of the world. For us, for our church, we anticipate as we move to West Side that there will be new people to love. Um, there will be new saints to love. There will be the community of Bradford to be a gospel witness to. There are new children among our midst to love. There are new spouses to love. So the question for us is how, in the beginning of this year, how do we stoke our Christian love, our gospel love? How will the fire of the gospel burn hot among us? And the answer to that today is what I hope to communicate to you today, and that is that daily consumption of God's word is vital to growing in love daily consumption of God's word is vital to growing in love. We'll see this in four areas, in love for our God, in love for our own souls, in love for the family, and in love for the lost. So first, let's look at the first point, daily Bible consumption being a fuel for our love for our God. So as we take in the Bible, as we read the Bible, as we immerse ourselves with the whole counsel of God. What do we see in the Bible about our God? We see who he is. We see his character. We read verses like this. We see that he is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. We see that our God is faithful and just. We read that the Lord is good that he is a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows, he knows those who take refuge in him. We see his goodness. And we read that all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none, none can stay his hand and say to him, what have you done? We see the character of God as we immerse ourselves in Scripture. And not only that, we see who he is, but we also see what he has done. And this centers around the gospel in Christ. We read in Psalm 103 that he does not, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. We have atonement because of what Christ has done on the cross. We read that we also have life. In Colossians, Paul says, and you who were dead, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, and this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We have life because of what God has done on the cross in Christ. And lastly, among all these other things that we have, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, as Romans 5 tells us. So we see who God is, we see what he has done, and we also have hope in seeing what he will do that he will bring his plan to pass he will re he will recreate the new eden we have hope we see that we in titus 2 we are waiting we are waiting in this life for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawless and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. We have hope eternal as Christians. And we also anticipate the renewal of all things. We read a very precious passage that I'm sure it is for all of us, Revelation 3 to four. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. This is our future. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. What a comfort that passage is to us as we behold our God in scripture. So as we daily intake all of these truths, all of these promises of scripture... This fuels our love expressed to God in praise. We say with Paul in 1 Timothy 1, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. As we we see God in scripture, his love, his steadfast love, this fuels our praise and expression of love to God. Now, one of the barriers or one of the difficulties that some of us may have in having daily Bible consumption is that we are very easily satisfied. We may say, you know, I I get enough from hearing or singing the word on Sunday. The, The Bible isn't as entertaining as other things that the world may have to offer. But the Bible itself gives us a rebuke to that and shows us the glory of discovery of God in the Bible. Paul, after in Romans 11, after he's given us the greatest picture of the gospel, what what does he say? How does he respond? He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. We sang that in one of our songs. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. And the psalmist says at the end of the Psalter, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness no one can fathom. For those of us who are easily satisfied, we need to remember that the well of discovery in God never runs dry. So that's the first reason for us to daily intake the Bible, is to fuel our love for our God. Secondly, Daily Bible consumption is the fuel for the love for our own souls. In Ephesians 5, when Paul is describing the love between a man and his husband and his wife, he says, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. So there is instruction there for us to care for our own souls. And how do we do this? We, in, in a few different ways. We see as we look in Scripture, we are reminded of who we are. We are reminded of our identity in Christ. The world tells us one thing, but Scripture tells us something else. If we look at Ephesians 1, a passage that many of us know well, we see a glorious reminder of who we are in Christ. We see that we are blessed in Christ. We see that we are chosen in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him. We are adopted in the family of God. We are redeemed by the blood of Christ. We are forgiven of our sins. We are heirs to the future kingdom where Christ will reign. So how do we care for our souls as we read scripture? Our souls, the world tells us something else, but we say, soul, remember who you are in Christ. Secondly, we, as we daily feast on scripture, we tell our souls to have joy in Christ. Our joy is not in other things, in lesser things, of things below, but our joy is in Christ. This is what the psalmist writes in Psalm 63. My soul will be satisfied, will be satisfied, as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you, will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed, and meditate on you in the watches of the night. We feed our souls on Christ as we take in Scripture. And third, we care for our own souls as we use Scripture to fight sin. When Jesus was tempted in in the temptation narrative, every single time the devil brought something to him, the first words out of his mouth were, It is written. We see Jesus, who is the perfect embodiment of someone who has hidden God's word in his heart that he might not sin against him. So we look to Christ as an example for us as we fight sin. We also see his humility as he experienced the greatest trial that, that he faced as he was going to the cross in anguish. He knew from the foundation of the world what the Father and Him have planned. And he's experiencing great anguish, but at the end he says, in humility, not my will, but yours be done. So we fight sin by seeing Christ, by turning to Christ. Soul, you are looking at these things, you desire these things, but soul, turn to Christ in scripture. And lastly, we take care of our souls by receiving comfort from scripture. A few weeks ago, Pastor Josh was preaching on Hebrews 4 about our sympathetic high priest who we can go to for mercy and grace in our time of need. So as we look at scripture, as we daily intake scripture, we say in our suffering, in our trials, we can choose to look inward. We can choose to be depressed and choose to let the, the, the weight of the world rest on our shoulders, but instead we can... We can choose to say, soul, look to Christ. Look to Christ for comfort. And as we take all this in, as we take all this in, this fuels our love expressed for ourselves in prayer. We see that we have a great need. It's hard for us to remember, isn't it? It's hard for us to remember our identity in Christ when the world tells us so many things, when we look in the mirror and are not the way we want ourselves to be, when we keep fighting the same sins over and over again. We see that we have a great need, and we say, we cry out with the psalmist, incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. And isn't that the state of all of us as we live here on this earth? We need nourishment, we need help in our spiritual lives. Another barrier that we can experience in daily Bible consumption is the thought of independence. Some of us might think, you know, wh- whether I read or not has no daily major consequence on my life. You know, by and large, most of us can get by um, through the day without reading the word. But think, think about this. We can, we can, all of us can get by for, you know, a few days, many days without food Many of us can get through the day without water. But over time, our souls will languish. Our souls will rot. Pride will creep up if we neglect this habit of grace, this means of grace that the Lord has graciously given us. We are not created as spiritual camels. We are not meant to go long periods without the nourishing food of God's word. And we need to daily nourish ourselves with the rich food of the word. So that's the second thing. Daily Bible consumption is fuel for loving our own souls. Third, so we've seen love for our God, we've seen love for our own souls, and now we see love for the family. One of the, one of the first lessons that... Um, Pastor Tim was teaching me as he was mentoring, was the reminder to balance input and output. Very very often we can be so consumed with serving others that we forget to have input in our own lives. And as I'm sure many of you have experienced, we cannot survive on output forever. So as we take in the Bible, as we see Scripture, there are two areas in which the service is given towards. The first is our church family. And this is the brother and sister relationship that we have as the family of Christ. There are more than 50 times in the Bible where the one another's are commanded by the apostles. And these are all rooted in the gospel truth of what God has done for us in Christ. So just a couple of them. Paul commands in Ephesians 4, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, And this is it, as God in Christ forgave you. The command to be kind to one another rooted in what God has done for us in Christ. And at the end of Colossians 3, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And how how does this happen? By teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And then doing what we were just doing about half half an hour ago. Addressing one another, not only God, which is most important, but addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Scripture comes in and Scripture goes out to bless those around us. And secondly, we also care for our nuclear family. This is the husband-wife, the parent-child relationship. For how husbands and wives are to interact with each other, we see the relationship between Christ and Christ And the church, we see Christ's love for his bride. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives. And what is the standard? What is the standard? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. As husbands take on the mantle of loving leadership as Christ did for the church, this gives the context for which wives can joyfully submit to the husband even as the husband submits himself to the Lord. And for parents and children, we see, as we read in Scripture, we see the love of the Father that he has upon his people. We read, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. What an immense privilege it is to be called children of the Almighty God. And as parents see this, they learn, the, they learn patience. They learn the grace that God has given continually given his children his wayward children and for children they learn as they see god's relationship between god and his chosen people they learn to trust his care and his discipline and they respond in trust and obedience so seeing all this how does this fuel our how is love expressed for the family this is expressed in sacrificial service And isn't this this the mindset of of, of Christ? Saying, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Love for the family expressed in sacrificial service. Now, another another barrier that we, or difficulty that we have to reading the Bible is exhaustion. You know, some of you you will, will rightly say, you know, I have I have young children. I have children that are barely months old and I I barely have time to do anything else I'm just trying to stay awake I'm trying to make sure my children are alive how do I have time to daily take part in reading scripture and I think what we have to realize is that some seasons in our life it will be near impossible to have dedicated time with the Lord perhaps we can see this a different way instead of this being a time where God is removing himself from us Seeing that God is giving you an opportunity to serve and to love those around you in sacrificial service. You know perhaps he's saying, he's saying to you, "You know, I, "I know, I know you want to spend time with me. I know you want to come into my presence where there is fullness of joy forevermore. But right now, in this season, I'm asking you to care for my image bearers that I've entrusted to you. You know, I, I have filled you with enough grace for the task ahead. Go go now and care for those who I've entrusted to you and come back and receive from me later. Sacrificial service for the family of God and our own nuclear families. That's what daily intake of the word gives us. And lastly, we have daily Bible consumption fueling our love for the lost. When we read scripture, when we see the story of Israel and identify with their wayward ways, when we see the state we once were, we can't help but have a love for the lost. Let me read 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 11. This is what it says. Or do you not know that the righteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. We see in here, we see the triune God of the universe having mercy on us, and this leads us to have mercy on those who are perishing. And again, look at, looking at Jesus, what is his example in his love for the lost? This is Matthew 9, verse 35 to 36. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He is doing what he is called to do here on this earth. And as he is doing this, verse 36, what is, what is his response? What is his demeanor? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd so as we intake the word as we do what god has called us to do as we follow in the footsteps of our savior we also ought to be moved with compassion for the many around us who are lost and perishing as we read as we read scripture as we see god's heart for the nations this should fuel our love for evangelism as we see, as we grow in love for our God, as our souls are well nourished, as our love for one another burns brightly and we display to a watching world that we are his disciples, we ought to become consumed by a love for the lost. One last barrier that I'll address is that sometimes as we read the Bible, we will see that we think that the Bible is, is, is useless. useless. You know, we might say, you know, I'm not I'm not really getting anything out of this. I've I've I'm stuck in the book of, of Leviticus or Numbers, and I'm not getting anything out of this. And it's like eating, it's like eating cardboard. But think about this Bible is not only for us who are saved, but this is the power of salvation for those who are perishing. So ask yourself, who as I read this, who can I tell about? who can I tell what I am reading? As I'm reading about the grace of God, as I'm reading about what God has done in Christ, who can I tell? Who can I be a conduit of grace to as I read Holy Scripture? So daily Bible consumption as a fuel for our love for God, for our own souls, for our family, both church and nuclear, and fuel for our love for the lost. Now I want to finish off with giving us seven brief pointers for application. How can we start doing this? For those of us who are desiring to do this on a daily basis, I want to give us some tools for how we can implement this. And for those of us who are already in this process, giving us fresh ways to continue reading. So just seven brief points of application. And some of these, some of these, um, Pastor Josh and I talked over. So some of these are his, um, his love and care for you as well. The first three are his. So the first one is read at different times of the day. We think that very often and well-meaning, so we should read the first thing in the morning, and you know it's it's nice and quiet, um, nothing else has started, and and that's true. But the situation is that you know many of us have have young kids, they're going to be climbing in our beds at 6am, we have to get our kids to school, um, you know, you are rushed for work because you slept too late, or, or even you're not, a, you're not a morning person. So we can read at different times of the day. For example, we can read a chapter of the Bible during our lunch break. You know, While we're taking a, a stretch break or a coffee break, we can read, we can just read a psalm on our phones. We can read before bed instead of scrolling on our phones, as many of us do. So as we scroll on our phones, we know we still have some kind of mental capacity to take in pictures, news, and all that. Why not spend that time reading scripture and finishing off the day well? So that's the first thing. Read at different times of the day. Second is to read in non-ideal circumstances. And what do, I mean, what do I mean by this? And this is mainly geared towards parents with young children. There could be a thought that you know, I will only benefit from reading um, if I'm in complete quiet, if you know, I've had a full eight hours of sleep, um, if my mind is completely clear and I'm sitting at my desk with a nice lamp and a pen and a journal. But the reality is that for, for many young parents, I, I don't know, but from what I hear from you guys, is that complete serenity is not always possible, is it? Right? Thing, people are running around, there's things to do, um, and life gets in the way. So an idea of how, we can, how, you can, in, how you can start and continue daily Bible consumption is that you can read, read while the kids are playing. And this is, some, this is something that Pastor Josh was sharing to us in, in the pre-service prayer meeting that, you know, there is um, sometime this week he's just opening, he has his Bible open in the middle of the living room, the kids are playing around, sometimes they come disturb him um, and then, um, you know, or, or distract him in some way and then, you know, they go off and he just continues reading. And isn't it, wouldn't it be great instead of sitting there with our phones just watching the kids play, instead they see us reading our Bibles, prioritizing Scripture even in the midst of a bit of chaos. So read in non-ideal circumstances. Next, we can read at different paces. We realize that there is fast reading and we realize that there is slow reading as well. For fast reading, we want to get a big picture of the Bible. We want the 30,000 feet view. A good idea is to read the whole Bible in a year, even though that may sound very daunting. Um, That's roughly three to four chapters a day. I'm sure many of us could manage to find time to have three to four chapters a day. Or if we're more ambitious, we could read the whole Bible in 90 days, as I've heard a couple people here have done. That's about 10 chapters a day. So that's reading fast, getting a big scope, seeing the whole counsel of God in Scripture. And secondly, there's a way to read. There's a time for reading slow as well. And this is, this is the idea of, you know, instead of running past a forest, we, you know, we take a, a slow stroll through the garden. Um, instead of just passing everything by, we, if we start looking at the ground, we see the little ants that are starting to crawl around. We start to smell the flowers. We notice each blade of grass. And we can enjoy as we soak in all of Scripture. So an idea for this, for those who have been reading fast Um, is to read a book with a study Bible or a commentary. As As we read, we can take in what saints before us have meditated, have chewed on, and that is another means of grace for us as we read and study scripture. So read at different paces. We can read with a gospel lens. We can ask, how does this passage point to Christ? If all the Law, the prophets, and the writings of Scripture point to Christ. That's, that's our hermeneutic. That's the way we should be reading the Bible as well. We ask, where is this passage in the redemptive storyline? I remember in, in, in my first year of, of seminary when I was taking Old Testament theology, and this, the professor was telling us how Abraham points to Christ, how David points to Christ, and I had never heard that in my life. And it completely changed the way that I read the Bible and seeing how there's just this one golden thread that goes through all the Scripture, and it's all pointing to Christ. So one thing that you can do as you're reading, maybe for those who you know, know all the stories, we can you know, recite all the stories, we've read all these stories with our children, we can ask, we can read and connect the passage to the story of Salvation. And one, one resource I want to highlight and give away um, is this is the Gospel Transformation Bible. And it helps us to do just that. We have the Bible, but in the, in the study notes, it tells us how each passage points to Jesus, how the Bible points to salvation history. So if anyone wants this, come see me after and I'll get this out to you. Yeah. So that's read with a gospel lens. A couple more read with a plan. For, for, for Joanne and I, if I am stoking the fires of love in our relationship, I know, and I'm sure many of you can say that date night is not just going to happen by accident. I have to plan it. You know, we're, we're, both, we're both busy. We have all these things going on in our minds. Um, and unless I plan it and put it in the calendar and make it a regular thing, it's not going to happen. So what are some ideas for, for us to do this? What I found helpful over time is to guard a specific time each day in the schedule to do it, and then make sure we actually do it. That takes, that takes discipline, that, that, may not be, that may not be easy as we start, but as with any habit, as we start repeating it and this becomes part of our daily routine, it becomes much easier and it becomes something to enjoy as we carve out and prioritize that time in our schedule. Now, most of, us, most of us can do that. We can have a you know, regular time in the calendar each week. But again, for young parents, when so much is, is unpredictable, when a child may get sick, when um, anything happens as, as, as a young family. So what is, an, what is an idea for this? I want to appeal to the fathers of young children to dedicate time where you're playing with all the children, so that your wife can spend some time alone with the Lord. Most of, most of, most of the wives have likely been caring for the child all day, um, and it would be a great service and would really mirror, I think, the love of Christ for the church if for half an hour, for an hour, you watch the kids and serve your wife in that way. And what happens is, if we don't read of the plan, I think many of us can can say that is we can see that we will often neglect what we do not prioritize. We often neglect what we don't prioritize. I think the way we spend our time really reflects our priorities. Two more. Read with someone. I think reading, reading doing, th- doing things with, with anyone, really, I think gives a sense of camaraderie, gives a sense of accountability, um, and gives a sense of encouragement. You know, when we are, you know, man, I'm just not... Digging this at all, this brother or sister will come and let's let's soak ourselves in this word because this is what's most important for our lives. So, a couple of ideas are: you know, do do a reading plan with someone. Read read through the Bible in a year with someone else. Discuss what you are learning, difficulties that you are having. Share with them what the Lord is teaching you as you read together. You could study you could study a book with a friend or even even a non Christian. Um, you know we. One of, our, one of uh, my cousins, they just recently moved from Hong Kong. Um, and it was wonderful to see that, um, uh, my, I guess my cousin-in-law, she, she just finished reading um, a documentary about the Bible. Um, and she's been, Joanne and I were just talking about this in the car, she's just so hungry to learn about what the gospel is. Um, and we are thinking maybe we could go and study the book of, of, of Mark with her, just to get a sense of who Jesus is. Um, and even, even Joanne, she's, um, every once, a, once a week, she's studying the book of Hebrews with a friend from our old church. Think about the ability of the Bible to bond us together in fellowship as we study together. And lastly, and I think this is import, one of the most important, if not the most important, is to read with prayer. And I think some, this is something that our church does well. Pray what you read as you read it. You know, pray Psalm 1, something that we know very well. Pray Psalm 1 as we read it, as we read, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Father, help me to be that man. Help me to be the woman who experiences blessing of staying in the righteous path. Thank you that I have access to this because Jesus was that righteous man. As as you know, we go home from the sermon, as we just heard Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16, you know, as we meditate over it over the week, you know, God, thank you for my sympathetic high priest. Thank you that he can understand acutely and intimately everything that I am going through and help me in the times where I have need of mercy and grace instead of looking to the world to other things that I come to you. So pray what and as we read. And lastly, pray for help as we develop this habit as a church. You know, Father, turn, turn my eyes from, from lesser and, and worthless things to, to yearn daily for your life-giving word. Help my joy, help my joy to be found in reading your word instead of in other things. Holy Spirit, open open my eyes and allow me to see Christ fresh again and again and feel my love for you, so may God help us this year as we embark on daily Bible consumption to grow in love in these different areas as we saturate ourselves in God's life-giving Word. Let us pray, Father. I pray that we would, um, as a church body, that we would be people um, of one book, um, that we would be like. Um, John Bunyan, that was said of him, if you pricked one of his veins, um, the Bible would flow out. Um, May we be so saturated with scripture that um, your promises are ever sweeter, um, that your comfort is um, ever ready and ever present because we have hidden your word in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would. Um, cause um, the word of Christ to dwell in us richly, that we would teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, that we would continue and persevere um, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. And may we do this, do everything, may we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, You are worthy, you are glorious, um, and may we continue to give you glory by the way we spend um, our time and the way we fix our eyes on you. We thank you and pray all this in your name. Amen.